0: So go to Amazon on March 8th, and you can get the Kindle version for only 99 cents. Just search for the book title, The Eternal Optimist. It's never too late, and you can download it directly to your device. That's it for me. Let's get into today's episode. Welcome to another episode of the Eternal Optimist Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Drinkon. And wow, uh, here today with an amazing human being, Amy Post. She's somewhere in a journey that is inspiring and challenging. And we're probably going to cry today. And we're probably going to learn something amazing today. And you we're going to probably model just what it's like to be a real living, feeling, high-performing human while you're overcoming or undergoing the biggest battle of your life. We're going to do all that today, so buckle up, my friends. I don't know where we're going. I do know that it's going to be real. So having said that, Amy Post, welcome to the show, Amy. How are you today?
1: I'm doing great, Matt. Thank you so much. How are you?
0: Alive, thriving, wonderful. Today is November the 16th, 2023. It's our last soccer playoff game tonight of our fourth season coaching soccer, so that's going to happen. I get to see the in-laws next week. We're blessed to finish the Charlotte Marathon 11 days ago. My body is almost recovered. And you know, I say that we're doing great because we always have a perspective. As long as we're healthy and alive, then we're doing pretty darn good. We have more than a lot, right? Yeah. So healthy and alive. I'd ask you the same question. You said you're doing great today. What's What's great about your day today?
1: You know, I think every day has to be great. You know, our daughter is doing well, life is good. You know, just finding that positivity, your optimism, you have to. So I think each and every day, I just make the choice to get up and be positive and find something to be blessed about and be thankful for.
0: Mm. God, I love it. I love it and totally agree. All right. Well, let's let's get our, our snorkel. Let's get our oxygen tank. And let's get ready to dive deep. And it's going to be a great conversation today. And I really want to give Amy the platform. Normally we have a discussion. I'm probably going to lean more into just to let her tell her story because this is a real story worth hearing that I'm hoping our audience can really, <coughs> really connect with. So Amy, if you could take us back, I guess about a decade ago and, and talk to us where you were then, and then take us forward into your story. We'd love to listen.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I may take you in a bit of a different direction, if that's okay.
0: Oh, a pivot. Yeah, please Mm -hmm. do. Please do. Thank you.
1: So one year ago, I dropped my daughter off at school and there's a church. She goes to a private Christian academy. It's very small. And there's a church that we attend that's above the school. My car just kind of drove into one of the parking spaces. I don't think I was actually physically driving it. And I just hung my head and walked inside. And I asked for one of the pastors and I went into the chapel and I think I cried for about three hours. That was the moment that God brought me to complete and utter surrender. I had needed it for a really long time. I mean, you know, I can say it and it's so cliche, but, you know, I found God in a parking lot, (laughs) you know, so it was one of those moments where I needed it so badly and God knew that I needed it, but he wasn't going to give me something at a time when I didn't need it. It was just, everything is about timing. So I had been struggling for nine years, a lot of struggling. I needed to heal and God kept playing back the last nine years back to me over and over. I couldn't eat, I couldn't sleep, I couldn't function. I didn't know what was occurring. I literally thought I was just, Breaking down, and I was on the verge of self destruction, suicide, but no one would have known it. I've been in aesthetic medical sales for 15 years at the top of all of my companies, top two in the entire nation, President's Club, Rookie of the Year. You would have never known that there were such agonizing storms going on inside me. I think that God just really needed to bring me to that place in that certain moment to really kind of be like, you know, Amy, I'm going to take you to that next step. The last nine years haven't been easy, but the next little bit is certainly not going to be easy. Everything just really started playing in my head of all of the events and everything that had happened. So my husband and I, we have two children, beautiful children. My son, Zachary, is 16 now. My daughter is 13. But one day we were given a phone call by the daycare and they let us know that our daughter, Madison, she was three at the time. She wasn't feeling well. She sat down on the playground, just not feeling well. And that just brought my stomach to my feet. Something was just there. My intuitions, I guess my mother's instinct. So her roll it forward through that weekend, she was just not feeling good. Stomach aches. And I thought it was appendicitis. Something simple. We don't ever want to think that something traumatic is ever going to happen. And... She ended up spiking 104 temperature. We took her to the hospital. We got the uh, numbers, uh, the blood work back at about 3.30 in the morning on a Sunday evening. And my husband didn't wake me up. He just knew that something was wrong. And so the next day, we took her to the Children's Hospital in St. Louis, Missouri. And we were given the news after, I think, maybe six hours of tests. And those words came out of the physician's mouth. You know, your daughter has malignant liver cancer. It's bad. It's stage four and she's going to need a liver transplant immediately. We started everything for chemotherapy. We have a suite ready for you upstairs and we're really, really sorry. And I just remember the the room going, I think black. I, I, I think I almost passed out. You know, you just don't know what to do when you hear those words. So we get in there. Of course, you don't know what to do as a married couple. You know, we live in a two-income household. I had a job in medical sales. My husband worked. We had another child. So he ended up leaving and he went home and I stayed there. And that's where our journey began. I remember that first morning that I woke up, I woke up at 5 a.m., just kind of that alarm clock in my head. And I remember walking across and getting a cup of coffee in the coffee room. And I met a gentleman in there, another, I assumed it was another parent kind of looked over at him and I said, what, what are you in here for? He told me about his child who had had cancer at a very young age. They had battled cancer for about four years and then they were cancer-free in remission for a couple years. And he was back now with brain cancer. And I remember at that moment thinking, I have nothing to feel bad about. I have to find something every single day to be blessed about. I have to be grateful. I have to count my blessings every single day or I'm not going to make this. I'm not going to be able to do this. So through that journey, and it was brutal, I tell you it was brutal. My daughter and I would spend four weeks in the hospital. We would be quarantined to our room and we couldn't leave. And we would go home for maybe 24 to 48 hours each time and we would come right back and it would be the same thing. We figured out there were a lot of things that fell through the cracks in the system. It was very broken. And we found that out very quickly. And I think you kind of know it on the outside. But once you're in, it's a totally different ballgame once you're there. Protocols just didn't seem correct. Inconsistencies. It really was something that was truly hard. But God gave me the ability to find this strength that I don't think I have ever known that I had. Things weren't right. My gut instincts were just really elevated. And I think God entered my life and allowed me to be an advocate for myself as well as my daughter. So at that point, I really just started challenging all of the doctors, challenging all the treatments, procedures, every step, every move that they made. I asked questions. I pushed back. I challenged. I think I requested and insisted on four board meetings with all of the heads of all of the departments just to go through protocols and things that I didn't agree with and really just trying to get their process and procedures and their feedback. It was just a situation where I learned something about myself that I never knew. And it's okay to push back. It's okay to ask questions. It's absolutely okay to say that's not okay and I don't agree with that. And I think within the medical system, sometimes we don't know what to do. But I'm here to tell you we watched that children's hospital triple in size over a couple of years, and it was just mind-boggling of what is going on with these kids? What's going on with everything around us? And it really gave me the strength to look in different directions. We requested for healthy food to be brought into the hospital for her. You know we weren't going to stand for the food that was being given. We weren't going to stand for certain things being done. So I knew we had to change the food. I knew that we had to change our attitude. We had to change the bullying and the fear and everything that's going on. So I knew 100% that I had to be that advocate for myself and for my daughter. I had to be able to ask those really tough questions that people don't wanna ask and maybe they don't know what to ask. Every moment was researching on what can I do, what's going on and how can we move forward? And I just really needed to get her out of there. And through the process, it was kind of interesting because I was asked to talk to several parents that had recently just brought their children in. And I remember the first mother that I spoke with, my daughter and I were getting ready to leave at four weeks. We were almost at the elevator. The head of the nursing department said, Amy, I really need you to talk to this mother. I need you to tell her that it's gonna be okay. She's just weeping and I can't calm her down. You're leaving, just let her know that everything's going to be okay. And I remember thinking in that moment, I have no idea who you think I am, but everything is not okay. I have no idea. We've just been given a death sentence. And I remember looking over and the mother was crying and her, her daughter was you know, laying in the bed. She was hooked up to tons of wires, IVs. And I remember walking into that room and just finding some sort of strength within me that I didn't know that I had. And I let her know that it was going to be okay. But I remember saying, you have to push back. You have to ask for what you want. You have to let them know that you're you're in charge. This is what I want for my daughter. Why are you doing this? Keep track of things. We witnessed things that just weren't okay in that first month. They just absolutely weren't okay. I don't know how I had the power or the ability to talk to her, but I remember her crying stopped within those moments when I was talking with her. And I remember a calmness coming over me and me saying, it's going to be okay. But if you do these things, you're going to make it. You're going to make it. It was going to be okay. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be very difficult, but you'll make it. I think that that kind of spurred this, like purpose within me, this absolute purpose that I had been looking for, for 30 some years of my life back when I was very young of just, what is this purpose that people talk about? What is this gift that everyone in our, you know, church groups keeps asking me about? I'm so, I'm so angry. They keep asking me this crazy question. In those moments, I found a purpose that God had given me that I really didn't know was there. I think if I could get everybody together and and that's what we're trying to form, you know, a really cool community of parents with children that have health challenges and very devastating health challenges and give you diamonds in the rough and really help navigate through these things because it's tough and it's really hard. But the story didn't continue well. It was one consistent problem after the next. And if you didn't think the floor was going to drop out, it dropped out over and over again. I just couldn't understand how this was happening. It was just completely and utterly devastating. So I spent several years very depressed, very angry, very sad, very resentful. Like I mentioned, when God brought me to those moments in that parking lot a year ago, so many things came about looking back into this situation. But it was the moment that I started to heal because I was just about to self-destruct, commit suicide, ruin my marriage, and destroy my family. God just really plucked me out of that moment and said, it's just not It's not what I have planned for you. I have something so much better planned for you, but you're going to have to write all this down. I think it needs to be in a book, and I think you really need to just write this to help other people, and it was as if some sort of video was just playing about my life right in front of me, like it had already happened. And I was just seeing it and watching it in real time, crazy as it might sound. Um, And so I remember just rallying all my troops and reaching out to all of my contacts and saying, oh my gosh, I have to write a book, but I don't want to. I don't want to relive the nine years that I've been through, but I don't know what to do. So I started writing a book.
0: Wow. Wow. You don't want to relive it, but you started to write it, and this purpose. You feels like now you're fully connected and committed to this purpose. But walking into that church parking lot that one day, you were on the verge of the exact opposite. You're on the on the verge of ending it all. So yeah. I'm curious. In the nine years leading up to that moment of surrender, where everything shifted, how did you keep it together and show up for your daughter every day?
1: It wasn't easy. It wasn't easy because what I didn't tell you was that within the first two weeks of being in the hospital, not only did we find out that she had malignant liver cancer, we were told that she had a really rare genetic cancer gene that would bring three cancers in her life. I think that God gave me what I needed in those two and a half, three years in the hospital, not being able to leave and not being able to get out and just really gave me what I needed. And I think that I wasn't able to cope or handle with what God had then brought. It's like, we got through this. She's in remission. You know, why can't God, why can't you just leave me alone? Why can't you just let this be? In those moments of surrendering, God, over several months, just really showed me a story that was so beautiful and so sweet and so admirable that I cried more in the last year than I have cried in nine years. And I think it was for the sheer fact that God just had a purpose for me and had a plan that I just wasn't aware of. So back to your question of how did I hold it together? Matt, I have absolutely no idea how I held it together because I started becoming very quiet And I stopped talking about our journey. And I couldn't find groups or community that I felt safe in. I found numerous groups, but they were unsafe. I just couldn't trust them. I think I really started to be uncertain of society and kind of what I felt about it. And I pushed back from a lot of things. And I started living in these little four walls of a small box that I created for myself that, you know, maybe they're just... Isn't going to be a healing process for me. Maybe it's just not there, but I had to get up every single day and produce. I had to go to work. I had to take care of my family. I had to do what I needed, but in those moments, and there were so many of them, it was still consistent research. So we found functional medicine, alternative options, and lots of just different ways about handling this versus traditional medicine. And that came to us within, I believe, about the first two and a half years when we were in the hospital. We really just came upon some great people, some great physicians. You don't Google them. You can't find these people. It's like they live underground and they're in this private world that you sometimes just don't know about. But... We found several alternatives for her and our life just really started to change. So I spent numerous years over the last nine years just consistently researching and spending time with functional medicine, alternative holistic physicians, nurses across the country here in St. Louis and just researching and how to get her healthy and how to get ourselves healthy. It was a two-way street. We were on this together with her. So it was, you know, mindset. Whatever you tell yourself is probably what's going to happen or not happen. Healthy food, healthy living, removing the toxins from our world, removing it from our home, our bodies, and just creating a whole new way of life that did not allow us to think or even feel that she was going to get cancer, not one more time, but two more times, a total of three times. I had to just push it out. But I think over nine years, It was very tough because it's hard to deal with those types of things. You don't know what's looming around the corner.
0: For those of you who can't see on YouTube, I've I've already cried a number of times in this conversation. It's just, thank you for sharing this. The way that Amy and I met is we met through her husband and her husband said, you've got to talk to my wife because she's like the strongest person that he's ever met. And I'm curious as you're going through this, I don't even know how to describe it, this torturous, incredibly challenging, it doesn't even do it justice, this journey, and you're starting to put yourself into this box and you're not trusting and you're starting to kind of withdraw. How did that impact your marriage in that time?
1: Yeah, that was, that was really tough. My husband and I really had a lot of disagreements, I guess you could say. We couldn't seem to get on the same page. But one thing that I didn't realize until last year was I was expecting him to meet me where I was in my feelings, in my journey. I expected him to feel exactly how I felt. And what God showed me was that we were on our separate journeys. So before I completely self-destructed, you know, I was able to really kind of realize those things. But to kind of take you back, my husband is extremely strong. I mean, he was never going to let that happen. He was like, you know, we're not gonna do this. We're not gonna, we're not gonna go that direction, that avenue. Because also what I didn't tell you in one of my first mentor meetings, the second day that my daughter and I were in the hospital, we met with the liaison. I was given a stack of probably 12 to 15 inches high of like, this is what you're getting ready to go through all the procedures, treatments. This is the looming death sentence over you. Oh, and, and by the way, Amy, children die and 90% of the couples get divorced. So you just really need to be very well aware of this. And I've always had that on my heart for nine years. And even though my husband and I weren't in the same place, I think that we always knew, you know, we had to stay together. We had to stick together. But I wasn't able and capable to meet him where he was in his journey. And I think it was the same for him, for me. He just didn't know how to meet me there. And so now we've gained the perspective to know where we need to meet each other. And we can't change the past, but we can certainly change the present and the future and how we have described each of us what we went through and what it felt like for us. And for me, it was one-sided. I was there for my daughter for nine years. It wasn't something that he could handle. You know, he wasn't in the hospital. And I had to realize that that wasn't his journey. It wasn't his superpower. It wasn't his purpose. It was mine. And that was okay because he was at home taking care of our son and being there for him and That was his purpose. And once I realized each of our purpose and each of our superpowers, I was able to really kind of digest and understand this process and this journey much, much better. But I never stopped thinking about all of those parents that I met along the way, all of those children, everybody that followed us as I watched that hospital double and triple, quadruple in size. And my heart just hurt it really, really hurt. And I think God was able to bring me realization of, I think you can help people. I think people will relate to you. I think that you will allow them to talk about things that mm, probably shouldn't talk about that because people won't like you or negative conversations, or you just don't want to talk about these types of things. It's not a comfortable conversation. You know, it's not like, hey, how are you? Oh, you know, and by the way, and here's my story. And they're trying mm-hmm. to like choke their arm off to get away from you, you know?
0: <laughs> Thank you for bringing a little bit of lightness <laughs> to this, because this is a heavy story. But I actually, because now I'm getting to know you, I have trouble seeing the Amy that does not speak her mind, like, the Amy that holds back. <laughs> so I've... Thank you for bringing, the, bringing a little bit of laughter <laughs> to it. I want to pause for a moment to share two things that have been incredibly insightful that I hope our listeners are taking really taking note of. There's just two nuggets. There's so many nuggets, two of them that really stood out to me. One of them you said at the beginning of your story is that you have to find something every day to be grateful for. So I absolutely love that. And then you said this, spouses out there people who have significant others take heed to this. You gain the perspective of where to meet each other rather than assuming that we're both on the same journey or assuming they know how you feel. You gain the perspective. And I just love so much that you gained that rather than you were forced into it or anything other than I gain the perspective of where to meet each other. And if there's someone listening right now, and I know there will be people listening to this who are Engaged in the same challenge in their own journey right now. What advice can you give a listener whose spouse is in a tremendous amount of pain and they're withdrawing? How does someone support someone like that?
1: My little diamonds. These are my little diamond nuggets of what I realized and what God really brought the ability was just understanding. Just understand that you're probably not on the same page. It's Probably 100% not possible for you to be on the same page. And I think having that humility and just asking your spouse, how are you doing? What does this look like for you? How is this affecting you? How has it affected you? And really just diving in deep and digging in deep and really hearing, listening to the other person and take notes. If you have to, just take notes and, okay, this is how he or she is feeling. I need to make sure that I confirm that. Let me make sure that I understood what you said. Let me make sure that I really dig deep and understand where you were. And here's where I am, or here's where I was. And that's what my husband and I really had to do. And I then gained the perspective of what that looked like. It's not that he didn't have superpowers. He had amazing superpowers. I just couldn't see them because I had blinders on. But because God gave me the ability, starting last year, to look back through the story with different lenses and different perspectives, I was able to gain some sort of calmness and really sit down and have a conversation with Him that it wasn't anger and resentment that He wasn't there for me. And God was there for me. I would have never been anywhere else. I think if I realized, if my husband would have come in and said, you know, hey, I'm going to stay with her. I'm going to do this. I would have said, no, 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 you're not. I'm doing this or we're both going to be there. I wouldn't have given up that role for anything in my entire life. I had the privilege of being there for her and advocating for her and helping her. So once I understood that my perspective was a bit broken, it allowed me to be humble and very genuine and soft as I entered those conversations with God and especially with my husband.
0: Mm. Well, it feels like you were in a lot of pain and you had found your purpose. When you say that you felt your perspective may have been broken, you were living on purpose and you were at the same time, you were in a tremendous amount of pain and maybe a little bit withdrawn. When you say mm-hmm. that your perspective was broken, does that mean that... Mm-hmm. It's unbroken now. It's fixed now. Like, what's the dividing point between when it's broken and when it's unbroken? Is it back to that surrender moment? Is that when things completely changed? Or walk us through that place from broken to moving forward.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think those moments were absolutely that surrender moment for sure, because I actually journaled about 70 some pages while I was in the hospital. And one, I took a lot of notes. I mean, writing things down because I was sleep deprived, didn't sleep for months. It was just very, very crazy. Um, My daughter went through 76 procedures under anesthesia within the first 12 or 13 months. So I had to really like journal a lot. And so looking back through all of that, I remember when I was writing the book of wow, if I would have written it then, it just, that's not how it was. That's not how God wanted it to be. And I think that those moments of surrender, God just showed me it's not going to happen miraculously overnight. This is going to be a process and I'm going to show you how things really were because I wasn't ready to surrender. I wasn't ready for any of this. And I think what I realized is, You can't force somebody to come to your place and meet each other at the same time, you know, demanding and making assumptions. So you have to come when you're ready. And so I think God knew that I was ready at that moment. And my husband was ready as well, because I think it really gave us a lot of perspective looking back. But then that surrender moment, I'm not kidding you. Oh, man talk about the most healing moment of my entire life, but the most terrifying that I've had since those words came out of the doctor's mouth nine years ago. But none of it was easy because God was telling me this is not going to be easy. I've not given you an easy road out, but I've given you a way out and you just have to figure it out from here. I mean, I dug my heels in. I didn't want to write this book. I didn't want to be kind. I didn't, I just wanted my way to be right. I wanted to be right because that's how I felt. And God showed me, I just wasn't ready for any of it. I wasn't ready to grieve. I wasn't ready to forgive. But once he started walking me through this process, all of that armor just kind of fell off of me. And I was ready to grieve and deal with it. And forgive and forgive myself and forgive forgive myself mostly for i think just not giving myself grace i think i was just so hard on myself for 9 years i didn't give myself grace i had to be perfect i had to know the answers i had to save her i had to save my marriage i just there were a lot of things in that surrender moment and the many many months and now we're here a year later from that time frame
0: And so many questions I want to ask. And I also want to talk about the book too. So let's, what is the name of the book? When can we get a copy of it? How do we get it? Just talk about the book, please. This has been a really great buildup, Amy. So tell us more about the book. Yeah, so
1: Matt, the title of the book is Out of the Gray, Into the Light. And it absolutely is just so appropriate. I changed titles numerous times. It was supposed to be, you know, The Perfect Storm, Because that was that perfect storm that created this cancer gene within my daughter. Because what I also didn't tell you is that the cancer gene did not come from my husband or I. It's supposed to always, 99.999% of the time, almost 100% always comes from the parents. This was just something that was plucked out of the air and that she was the first one So this perfect storm created this genetic cancer gene in her that I tried for so many years to find the trigger. I tried for so many years to try to find, like, if I can just find the trigger, I can stop this. So there were just so many things within that. And then that perfect storm inside of me that really brought me to those moments of almost complete self-destruction and suicide. But we ended up changing the title, but there are still a lot of threads within it about that perfect storm. So we did, we changed the title. It's called Out of the Gray, Into the Light. It's a mother's memoir for advocacy and hope. So the links will go live, I think, today or tomorrow. So December timeframe, we'll start pre-selling, and then it has a hard launch, March 19th.
0: March 19th, 2024, hard launch, and we can start getting it by the time this episode airs in December, 2023, early January, 2024, we'll be able to get it. And we'll have the links in the show notes, listeners, so you can get the book there. And wow, I'm excited to read it. And I know I'm going to cry through it. So thank you for giving me the opportunity to cry. And just. Mm-hmm. It's, I think that this is so important to be able to share because so many people are suffering in silence who go through, through their own lens, but a very, very parallel journey and they keep it to themselves. And I'm glad you have the courage to share this with listeners out there. So thank you, Amy, for that.
1: Yeah. And Matt, I think God just took me a step further. He's like, you know, what next? It's not just the book. And I thought it was just the book. I dug my heels in. I said, you know, I I did what you wanted me to do, God. I wrote this book. I'm healing. Everything's great. And so what has come out of that is a really cool Facebook group that I just started. It's called Advocacy and Hope. That will be the name of the organization. We're starting a, a nonprofit organization right now to help parents that are in any situation with a child or children that have Really devastating health challenges, and they just need places to turn. I think it was really for the reasons of there weren't a lot of resources when we were in the hospital. There weren't any resources we could call a counselor, or we had an advocate or a, a mentor that would walk us through the stages of what we were getting ready to go to, but we didn't have a community. We didn't have a lot of things that I really wanted to create, and I think God was really showing me. So this nonprofit organization will be really geared towards you know what does the family need and we were gearing it towards mothers but as being a mother i know that mothers really do take on a different role sometimes we have different needs so we'll dive in deep just kind of see what the needs are are they financial needs spiritual needs personal needs like what are those needs and then really just create this community to help these mothers help these parents kind of get through what they're going through but to always have that community there and just places to stand. So, you know, I'm working with, you know, make a wish I'm working with other organizations that are here locally to just be able to talk about whatever your child is going through. So I'm really excited about that and what that turns into. So I've started also doing podcasts. That was a really terrifying thing that I started doing and Love being on the podcast to just share my story, but I've also started my own podcast called Advocacy and Hope. And it's talking to like superheroes, superhero moms, mostly I've been interviewing that have been through really terrifying health issues with their children and how they advocated, what they did, gaining their little diamonds in the rough, their little nuggets that they can offer. And Putting a lot of resources together to just try and encourage all of these parents out there that never give up, advocate, push back, but you have resources that can help you and you have a lot of support no matter what it is.
0: Wow. Well, so what I've heard is we can find your book here in the show notes, Out of the Gray, Into the Light. So feel free to go out there and get that book when you hear this listener. Also, your Facebook group, Advocacy and Hope. And it's for parents who have kids with devastating health challenges. And then you have your own podcast. Remind me the name of your own podcast.
1: It's also called Advocacy and Hope, yes. And then I have my webpage that is amypost.com. And you'll be able to find a lot of information there. The link for the book, we actually have the link for the first chapter now that you can read for free You can sign up, come to the Facebook group, sign up there, but you'll be able to get a link. And then also just be able to get a phone call with me. I'm offering for anyone that knows anyone that just needs somebody to talk to. Maybe they need some direction. We don't have it all figured out just yet, but I really feel that if you need that conversation and some direction, I mean, I just want to be there for parents. I remember I needed it so much. I just needed somebody sometimes not to even answer my questions, I just needed them to listen and be kind of in my same tribe. Like I've been, I've been there. I've I've done that. Just talk to me and I'm not going to judge you. I just want to be there and love on you and really just give you encouragement. And if you need anything else, I'm there. And I just, I really want this to be a mission that is so impactful and that you never feel alone. Never feel alone again going through these things.
0: Wow. Thank you for this, Amy. I I have a question for you that I've seen over time. I want to see if I connect these dots, if this is true for you. I've seen people that have had a traumatic experience or who, who are enduring or overcoming just some health challenge or just some catastrophic event. I've seen when that happens that they tend to not take things for granted anymore and they tend to get this wake up call and live a little more presently and in the moment and i wonder if that if that observation for others if that has any resonance or connection to the way that you feel you're living right now today
1: It absolutely does Matt it's it's amazing how you feel when you realize that these things can happen to you. I mean, I cherish every moment that I have with my children. I mean, I spend all my time with them and it's not that I have to do something with them. I get to do this. You know, I get to take my daughter to school every day and I get to see my son when he comes home and I get to do something with them every single weekend. And I'm present. I'm there. I don't work on the weekends. You know, I'm just much more aware of life can just be gone in a moment's notice. And those words can come out of nowhere and just knock you down. And I think it's how you get back up and then how you live your life afterwards that is really meaningful because you will never get this time back ever again. And whatever else is happening, it too shall pass, but it's not as important as just seizing the day and being able to be with your family. Because I know too, I mean, I felt very guilty for not being here for my son. I lost three years of watching my son grow up. He was six years old when my daughter was diagnosed and the guilt and the shame that I felt was really, really devastating. And I think that is something that probably many parents feel. And whatever you do with those feelings is really important. You channel it into something really great and just never take one moment for granted.
0: Mm. Thank you. Thank you. Amy, you have blessed us with your presence today. I I don't want to stop. I just want to keep going. I mean, this is such a powerful (laughs) conversation. You're sharing so many nuggets. I have one last question before we move to the, the wrap up. You've mentioned your faith at the beginning your kids go to the Christian school, you've mentioned God and your faith a number of times. I'm curious how committed or strong or how was your faith practice before you heard those words uttered nine years ago or 10 years ago? How was your faith then? What was it like then compared to what it's like now? If there's any difference, I'm curious.
1: Yeah, so the book really dives into this as well. I had a very unusual upbringing, bounced around from church to church. You know, my mother just could never find a place that she liked. She'd always cry every time we walked into the church. Every single church, she would just start crying. And so we would bounce to the next church and nothing. I couldn't really find a foundation. I couldn't find a community. And it was very confusing for me growing up. Once I got married, my husband and I were very involved in the church. I volunteered all the time. We were extremely extremely close involved, had a huge network. We were involved in numerous moms and dads groups, couples groups, so we were we were really involved. So, once this happened, it shook my faith a lot. But I think that God never left me. Never never left me. I think God met me exactly where I was supposed to be met in that hospital room and let me know that things were going to be okay. Not easy, but okay. But he had me. So every moment, every instinct, every gut thought, I think was just God speaking into me going, here's what we can do. Here's what you need to do. Don't push this one back. And so I think it was just everything was meant. And there were those moments, I can honestly tell you, I had no faith, and it's okay not to have faith. I mean, it honestly is. As you'll read through the book, you just one traumatic situation after the next, and you're like, when is enough huh. enough? Like, God, like, I've had enough. Can't you just go easy on me? Looking back now, our faith couldn't be stronger. I mean, God is with me every moment. I find God mostly Outside. We're a very outdoorsy kind of family. We're outside, you know, biking, hiking, running, you know, taking our kayaks out, and we're just there. And for me, the presence of God has always been, but is so much more found in those moments. But with making the choice to have our our children, you know, switch from public school to go to two Christian academies was very, very intentional. And I think we just needed God in our life. You know, I don't get to forget about what. Our daughter is going through. I can't take it and put it on a plate and put it aside and say that she's in remission and we'll never have to think about it again. So I have to rely on God every single day. And if I didn't have my faith, I would have never made it through nine years and I would never make it from day to day. I mean, I get up saying prayers and thanking God for one more day and I go to bed saying the exact same thing. And I honestly, to this day, have nothing to feel sorry about. I don't. I don't. God has given me a purpose that is so much more powerful than I think anything that I could have ever done. I mean, yes, I'm super successful in medical sales, top of my company. But I remember for 20 some years just thinking, is this all there is? Is this all that life is? And I think God was like, hey, you know, you say that and I'll show you, you know, (laughs) you you sometimes have to (laughs) be careful what you ask for. (laughs) Wow. So I just wanted a purpose in my life 20 or 30 years ago. I remember calling our pastor. We were very, very good friends with him. And I remember calling him one day, it was probably 20 some years ago and going, Darren, is this all there is? I'm a great salesperson. I can sell anything. It's it's fine. I never sell a day in my life. But is this all there is? I'm just, I'm searching for something that I can't put my finger on. And I remember him telling me to just soul search and write it down and continue to volunteer and help people. And that's what I've always done my entire life. I've done a lot of volunteering and a lot of helping and a lot of giving back. But it's crazy to think, that has always just been one of those things that I couldn't get away from. No matter if I wanted to sit down and watch TV or I was just totally exhausted, there'd be these feelings inside of me of like, what else, what else is there? And it drove me crazy for so many years. And I can honestly say that God brought it to me when I was ready and gave me that strength in the hospital that, mean man, It takes armies to fight through the system and get back up every single day. But I'll tell you something, Matt, if God would have told me, here's the journey that you're going to be on, if those moments when we were landed in the hospital and I was given that magical journal, that journey that we were going to go through, that guidebook of here, step-by-step, this is what you're going to go through, I would have been in the fetal position in the corner in that hospital room. So. I think, you know, it's so amazing to look back and go, you know, everything happened exactly how it was supposed to. Life is not going to be easy. And I think if people think that it's going to be easy, we just really need to kind of figure out, you know, how we're going to show up and what that's going to look like and how we're going to advocate, you know, when those times do come. And I'm so much more ready for what's to come because no matter what, you know, if my daughter gets cancer a couple more times and whatever we have to go through, I'm so much more prepared now than I ever was before.
0: Wow. Amy, uh, this has been amazing and you're amazing. And thank you for having the courage to not only go through all that and to share it with us today. So we appreciate and love you for that. I'd love to ask you a couple of uh, ding, 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 lightning round questions to wrap things up today. I would ask one question I like to ask our guest is if there is one or up to 3 books 1 to 3 books that have filled your bucket that have inspired you what might be your book recommendations between 1 and 3 of those Amy
1: Let's see Levi Lusco wrote his most recent book I'm trying to think what it was his his daughter died and now I'm trying to remember what the name of that book was. It'll come to me, but it's Levi Lusko. Okay. And then his wife wrote a book, The Fight to Flourish. It's by Jenny Lusko. Fight to that flourish. was absolutely one of the most powerful books because hearing it from someone who had lost their child and was able to still be positive and flourish and move forward was probably the most telling, impactful thing that I have ever imagined in my life. And I wish I would have read it before, but I just recently wrote it. So that's probably that. And then there's one by Bob Bodine. It's two chairs. It's a conversation with you and God, and it is really, really powerful. And I have thought about this for so long. It's those conversations that I'd have in my head of me talking to God each and every day. But that is a cool, cool book. It's just you and God sitting there having a conversation.
0: Wow. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Those are probably some of the biggest ones. And then I recently had the opportunity to meet Roderick Lenhart and I met him last week. Okay. Uh, Yeah. Wrote the book, Million Dollar Flip Flops. And because I don't want to dwell in like these books of self-help and all this stuff with, you know, kids dying and cancer and all this. But I can tell you this book, I mean, I literally picked it up when he when he gave it to us and I'm almost finished with it, but reading it from cover to cover, because he asked the question, you know, what if my whole life has been a mistake? What if my whole life has been a mistake? That is powerful. And I remember thinking, I think I've kind of thought those things my entire life what if I don't get this right? What if I don't do what I'm supposed to do? What if I don't do what I'm set out to do? So that was, I don't know. I mean, I know it was just last week, but holy cow, I had the the opportunity to spend three days with him in Austin, Texas at No Guts, No Glory meeting and meet a lot of authors. And it was books and business. It was just powerful. And once I opened that book, I couldn't put it down.
0: Fantastic. You just, mentioned Roderick, uh, and I know him, and you said no guts, no glory, which leads me to believe you know Amber. This is all very serendipitous and uh, just awesome. Amy, is there a uh, song or an artist or a genre of music that fills your bucket that inspires you and gets you going?
1: Oh, I mean, I'm one of those faith-driven. I haven't stopped listening to the Christian radio stations forever. It's something that I need to nourish my soul I remember many, many years ago, finding a radio station in our area. It's called Joy FM. And I told myself that I was going to cancel any other subscription that I had. I was going to listen to this nonstop and just see what it did for my heart. And I think that it it really, it really brought me a lot of joy, but... I don't think I would get through what I'm going through without just those powerful words, those powerful messages, and to just really keep me on track. So I listen mostly just to Christian music.
0: Enjoy FM, faith-driven. Thank you. Amy, we're to the last question. And the title of our show is The Eternal Optimist Podcast. What might Eternal Optimist mean to you? <sighs>
1: I think we've talked about it, but I think every single day, just getting up and and being positive, just living in the moment, being positive. What you tell yourself positively and negatively is what's going to happen to you that day. And I think just being optimistic that great things are going to happen every single day and no matter what you encounter, it'll get better each day. It's not going to be as traumatic as it was yesterday. And I think just learning those lessons and counting your your blessings, I, I think it has to be simple. I try to keep it as simple as possible and just count your blessings every single day, pass that encouragement along as much as possible.